Podcast. Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Norm, and we have a very special guest here today, Albert. Documentary filmmaker and producer. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Very interesting. You got you've been working on a, a documentary about uh, North Korea. In some ways, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a it's like a story about my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can't give too many details or little sensitive things, but I'll I'll try to disclose what I can about it. Yeah, yeah I mean we we've uh, well I've noticed like there's like like a lot of high profile defectors. In North Korea, like Yeoman Park, you know, and she's been on every podcast, like, you know, t- telling her story, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, you know, I, I know the audience, you know, they want probably want to know more about the history of uh, what's going on over there. Well, in a nutshell, right, I'm pretty sure everybody knows, like, you know, the Korean War and that there's two Koreas. But I think we got to go back kind of like to the beginning where, you know, Korea was one country at some point, right? And then during 1910, what ended up happening was that there was a Japanese kind of imperialist uh, colonization of Korea. They had overthrown the last, the last empress, and they kind of just took, a, they colonized the country. Now, you know, there's a lot of stories that you'll hear about that, right? There's a lot of, you know, whenever you see a Korea and Japan sports game, you'll notice that people are a bit more spirited. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where that stems from, right? Um, but after World War II, right? So uh, the Korea was because it was colonized by Japan. They were, they were kind of, you know, forced into going with the Japanese armies, right? They were forced into fighting for the Japanese. For the Japanese, yes. Yeah. So after that, what ended up happening was that the World War II ended, and then there was this power vacuum, right? Because the Japanese now had to leave, right? Because, you know, the, U- uh, the U.S. or whatever agreement that they made basically had Korea become its own, you know, its own entity, its own mm-hmm. country at that point. So it was kind of like an in, sort of an independence. But now when you have in, an independence, it's a power vacuum. Something has to fill that in. So a civil war breaks out. Ish, yes. Only this is very where it gets interesting. It's kind of like a proxy war that began. And this was because you have Soviet Russia back at the time when it was the Soviet Union, right? And then you had another gentleman, right, who was backed by the U.S. So the two people are Kim Il-sung, who became the first leader of North Korea, and then you have Syngman Rhee, who became the first president of Korea, right? Syngman mm. Rhee, he was, uh, you know, I think he, I, there's a lot of details there, but in a nutshell, it's that he was, you know, brought to the U.S., he was given a U.S. education, he was part of, like, uh, Korean nobility back in the day, and things like that, so he had that, those connections, and he was trained there, came back, and he was kind of, you could say, the U.S.'s pawn to be, like, set up the like a democratic, you know, government or like a U.S. kind of friendly government. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kim Il-sung, he was trained in Soviet Russia and he, you know, was a very, he actually had a very storied military career, right? Doing guerrilla warfare against the Japanese during World War II. But he was, uh, so when, so the Soviet, Soviets took notice of this, right? And then he was also trained, he was also, he studied in uh, Soviet schools. So when he came to Korea, now you have these two guys who are kind of like picked as the leaders, and they're kind of like, hey, different ideologies, mm. right? So you have Soviet in the U.S. Completely different. Right, Could be more different. Right? Yeah. So now, like, when you look at what's happening with the U.S. and the Soviet Union, right, when you add that layer into it, now you can see how things really become this proxy war that becomes something of, okay, is it communist and democracy, but what is it really, what else is there, Right. 
it's not just that it's kind of like you know we have all these things today is it really in the name of this is it really in the name of that but underneath there's probably a lot of other you know agendas or other other um you know it's just benefits to being on that side or whatever it is so there's all these warring ideas that are going through that and that's kind of in a nutshell which brought it to well uh, the korean war fast forward to today you can tell me if this is true or false but some north koreans look at their leaders as uh, a godlike entity is that true not just like uh, like the way we look at president biden right we just go okay he's a he's a human being right he's the president of the free world he's fallible and, and we can say that right yes but uh again we can say that right but in north korea in public what i will say is that in public they will say that they will profess that they will do all that now deep down inside do they really believe it i'm not going to answer that with a positive or negative statement right but they are you're freeing your thoughts there but what you see outside doesn't necessarily mean that it's true now they had to do that most likely because of survival right it is a totalitarian state and you know there's a lot more there uh if you want to take a look at the development of korea even after the korean war after it had played out and you know you had all these different factions and even at the end towards the end where you had the first president of korea and there was a lot of corruption with his you know presidency and things like that but he was really making a push for united korea even towards the end where he kind of did some, you know, unpopular things or things to kind of jeopardize that agreement. And but he did it because he wanted a united Korea, right? And but it was really, you know, the U.S. kind of they made this armistice, and so to this day, Korea is still technically at war. It's never it was never a peace treaty. It didn't end. It's just a detente. So it's just kind of like. Uh, the longest, you know, Cold War or, you know, that's been that's been happening in that the, at that border. So anyways, going to your point, in the beginning, it seemed that, you know, North Korea was actually doing better than South Korea uh, economically. Um, and what's funny is that... In what year, what era are we talking? This was 1953 and then I think to the 1960s, even uh, maybe even to the 70s, right? So they were actually better off then. In fact, they were developing faster than South Korea. So the whole country had kind of been torn by war. Right. Right. Yeah. So think of it like blank slate. Like everything's been decimated. And right? then you had to redevelop everything and, and start mm-hmm. over. Right. So you had you not only had World War Two, right, which there was probably a lot of stuff that happened there as well. Now you had the Korean War, which com- you know just completely raised the whole area. So now you're like, all right, so how are we going to do this, right? So. You have, you know, Kim Il-sung who came in, and he's the one who kind of led the development of North Korea. And, you know, according to what I know, and, you know, I have some resources, right, um, that will say that, you know, they were better off. And it's no, it's in the history books as well. They were better off initially. But later on, mm-hmm. because you have an authoritarian regime where as they grab power, and what ended up happening, you know, we say that power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right, and that's really what happened. Um, you, it, you know, there there were instances where you began to see that there was this caste system. You can read about this. There was this caste system that was developed, that was more grounded in your connections with people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about um, it wasn't about your merit. It wasn't about anything. It was just were you in the inner circles and things like that. And the closer that you were to leadership, allowed you to have be afforded certain privileges and things like that. Whereas the people who were outside of that. They're the ones that sent out or sent out. But you have this wonderful ideology, right, that they were saying, the Marxist-Leninist ideologies, but... Right, they started as Marxists. Right. 
and you know it's 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 you know it may sound very good and things like that and perhaps what i'm going to say is a bit you know it may ruffle a few feathers but in the end there is leadership there is the leadership that's we had and even amongst them like no matter what you have if you have a leader that is looking after your people and says that they're looking after your people and that's what they should be doing but the people who were in power because they got a taste of that power they didn't want to let it go right and so if there was anything that uh disrupted it or anyone that was seen as a threat meaning that oh they get they're getting more favor things like that there were a lot of things that happened in the background where there were a lot of disappearances there were a lot of assassinations there were a lot of you know all that stuff behind oh, political it. leaders political leaders military leaders etc because again it's all about power right and these are the centers that that these were the centers these were inside the inside leadership. people yeah so there were people inside right and it became this chess game where people would have to kind of fight one another and they would have to do it in other ways so you know when you start off because you have a leadership you people who are there they want to maintain that power I mean, we see that in different ways everywhere. I mean, I don't think that's a communist thing. I think that's just human nature in certain ways. And it's an unfortunate aspect of human nature. But that's kind of what happened there. So uh, initially, it started off well. But then because of those influences, right, then we see things like, okay, Korea started going downhill, right? Um, we saw, you know, famines. We saw that people weren't getting... North Korea. North Korea, yeah. Right. North Korea, we saw that there were famines there was you know people losing uh seeing that you know the people who were in leadership they're like wait they're supposed to take care of us they're not taking care of us right everything belonged to the state right mm. in the beginning when they created this leadership basically what they said was we're going to take all the land there's no property ownership there's no private ownership of anything even the clothes on their back were owned by the state was there a specific time period where that was a turning point where people started starts questioning what was happening I think that started probably in like the 70s and 80s, right? Um, and because they're, uh, I forget off the top of my head what exactly happened there, but in the 70s and 80s, they started seeing the cracks in the leadership, started seeing uh, the, the leadership wasn't taking care of them because there were food problems, because people were hungry, right? Because they weren't getting the care that they needed, because, you know, they were, I'm pretty sure, you know, when you have, you know, once the power struggle started happening, Hey, why did Mrs. Park's son die? Or why did Mr. Lee's kid? Why is it? Well, yeah, people are disappearing. Things like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, it, it's only, you can only maintain that sort of anonymity or that sort of veil of, um, how should I put it, utopian veil for so long before things start mm. coming out, right? Before reality starts, you know, looking very different from what you abstractly, I guess, were taught to believe. Right. North Korea has the fourth largest army. And is it true that that army is specifically designed to protect the government from its own people more than it is designed to protect from outside outside forces? Uh, That's like a yes and uh, it's like a yes and a no, right? It's because everybody who is an able-bodied man is conscripted into the North Korean army, okay? South That's Korea is that is like that too, yeah, right? Yeah, it's very common. Uh, South Korea because I know a lot of people time. that yeah, yeah. So, so, that they Singapore had to go back to serve in the army yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Korea they decreased this, you know, the longevity of it from like what was it, seven years to five years to now like three years or something like that. And South Korea, yeah, and it's gotten okay. shorter and shorter. But in North Korea, it's gotten longer. Like it can be like five years, ten years, like even twenty years. Mm. You know, so it's a longer time in North Korea where they have to stay in the military. But the reason that they stay in the military is also because they get fed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there is that's one of the biggest issues there is food food scarcity. Mm-hmm. And so, during the famine, you know, um, again, this is a firsthand account and stuff like that. But there are people there who are basically taking uh, the grass from like even the like the parks and areas. They would take that and be eating that because there really wasn't anything. Rats and things like that were scarce, right? The famine. I hear was rats, so rats is a delicacy there. I mean, I mean, I it's a delicacy I mean, in certain parts of the world. Yeah, that, that is, yeah. That, that is true. But I mean, when you're yeah. that hungry and when you're when you when you're that starving, right? Yeah. Like, you're taking the grass off the ground of somewhere and boiling that and then eating that, you know, to survive. Mm. Chopping down trees. And mm. this is not this is not hyperbole. This is That's not true. anything like that. This is survival. And this was what I again I heard firsthand. Yeah. Um. And so there were instances like this. Um, you go to you go there, and you'll hear people will say like, "Oh, our city's the best. There's nothing wrong. Oh, everything's great." Da da da. da. And they're like, "Oh, but we could use a little help, <laughs> right?" Mm-hmm. There's like there's things like that, right? And it goes to show that even there, even under a totalitarian authoritarian regime, right, word gets out. You know, there are sources of information, right? There are rumors, right? Well, how do those rumors start? How does gossip start? Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be something that initiates it. Is it because some people were actually able to escape the country and share that information? The real, what it, what it really looks like to them compared to what we're being told? So there is that as well, right? There are letters and things like that and communication that can go come in that way. But um, like the leadership, like rules for there are rules that they that they don't have that they don't necessarily follow so they actually have access to south korean tv so they're watching it mm-hmm. they're seeing the Wait, korean who, who has access to south north korean, korean TV. Leadership, leadership and stuff like that like people in the upper echelon of that society that are that have that first they're getting it they're watching it well know? yeah i'm i'm assuming that they're they live a different standard than the people that they you know lead they mm-hmm. they actually like you said, if there is corruption, then I'm sure the leadership must have access to the everyday comforts that you know the people that they lead don't have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so they they see that they're able to see that. And you know, if if they know about it, you know, it's like, hey, I know this person who knows this person who told me about this, right? And so you know, you hear through the grapevine, and you know, we're Asian, right? <laughs> so the Asian grapevine. If your mom knows something, it moves fast. <laughs> your entire your entire town knows it. Speed your entire of light. village. What is yeah. it? The next day, people are like, ah, it takes about a week. Yeah, you have Asian. Next hour, yeah. <laughs> one text, everybody knows. Yeah, it's like that scene in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> where he's like texting his mom or calling his mom and then all of a sudden the whole like city of singapore knows what his <laughs> business is <laughs> pretty much right yeah so like north korea imagine those circles but now those circles are so small right the population has decreased so much so you pretty much know everybody right? now that population reduction was that by design i don't think so and i don't think that that's something that they would have wanted especially when you look at it from a military standpoint when you look at it from a leadership standpoint right Yes, it's easier to govern, right? But when you see that many people dying, the people don't necessarily aren't going to be happy with you, you know. So, is it? It was a consequence of certain things that happened within leadership and the choices that they made, right? But I don't think that's something that they wanted. Where did it begin? Which era did that turnaround begin? Where South Korea caught up to North Korea and surpassed it? So it was, again, so let's take a look at the historical timeline, right? You have Korea, and Korea became, South Korea, 
right? Became one of the Asian tigers, right? That was technically under the military dictatorship of Park Chung-hee, right? He, he was very unpopular. He was a military leader, right? And what he was focused on was the economic, uh, dare I say, independence of South Korea, right? So he wanted to build a country up, right? So under him, right, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, like you have this military leader in the North, military leader in the South. But the military leader in the North, they were, had all these, you know, they were trading with so the Soviet Russia and China at the time and the Eastern Bloc of Europe because that's where, this, that's where the Soviet Bloc was, right? So they had that free-flowing trade. Once the fall of the Soviet Union came down, that's really when things started getting really rough for them, right? That's when South Korea, right, you saw them, they had a rough start, but you have this military leader, not again, not popular, but what he did was he built up Korea. He had all the major highways, all the infrastructure mm-hmm. projects, he was really pushing that. So in the industrialization of Korea, right, that was all under him. And it was, it, you know, people, you know, he didn't do it the best way. Right, but he did it. Yeah, he, right? he. You're you're saying that he took power, and basically maybe took land from other people and to to make sure that infrastructure was built. Pretty much, right? So like you know, he, it was a bit strong armed, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, did he do it? Yeah, was it popular? Probably not, right? But did he get the country to be developed? Yeah. And so you have all the conglomerates, the chebols that you hear about, right, coming up at that time and things like that. Now. You know, when you look at South Korea, there was all that happening, like 80s, 90s, bam, IMF crisis, right? Mm-hmm. So you have development, you have everything going, and then boom, the IMF crisis hit. Basically, you know, you cannot, sorry. <coughs> Basically, you had the economic crisis that formed uh, because of like speculation and all that kind of stuff. Like all this, basically, they were these companies, these conglomerates, they weren't necessarily using, supposedly, they weren't uh, managing the money very well. And so you have all this debt and things like that. So you have a debt crisis. And so now, you know, Korea is looking to get the IMF funds and stuff like that. They they wanted a bailout. Somebody said no. And basically all these companies began to now fall. Mm -hmm. There was no bailout. So these there's a lot of the people that were out of work. You know, the the wages actually decreased by a lot because... People were taking out, uh, taking in more dollars rather than one. The one, the one dropped. So it went from like, what was it like six hundred or like eight hundred to a dollar from per, per dollar to like fifteen, close to fifteen hundred uh, per dollar. So it almost like, you know, lost half, like um, almost all its value, right? So it it was a very rough time. And but then you know they got through that. Funny enough, because there was a sense of nationalism, right? There is a parallel to this in North Korea. There's a sense of, you know, Koreans coming together and, like, putting all their gold so that they can pay off this IMF debt. And so mm. that's what they did. They did that on their own volition. Because so, wait, citizens of South Korea yeah. collectively put their money together to pay off yeah. the country's debt? Yeah, you can look it up. The IMF crisis. Voluntarily? Volun- well, there was, like, it was a national effort. So That's incredible. And, it, you know, it's, it's a democracy, right? So you have a choice. You know, you can do it. And they did it on behalf of Korea, right? Because they, because, you know, Koreans were pretty educated at that time. So they're like, okay, we, we need to do this. Let's do this. So they were putting, you know, wedding bands and stuff like that. Even gold medals from metal, uh, Olympic medalists they were throwing in there because they wanted to get rid of that debt. If you go look at North Korea, North Korea has a similar ideology in the beginning, which they call Juche, which is a form, form of nationalism. Mm-hmm. They too wanted independence. They want economic independence. We want to be able to kind of do it all on our own and have our pride in what we do. And up to a certain point, yeah, it did, right? They had that. But again, when it's like 
kind of look at it this way. When you, you may be an individual, right, in a group, but that's the thing, you're in a group, right? And how large is your group, right? Mm -hmm. It's an easy, it's better to be flexible, right? And to be able to kind of speak, be able to have conversations with a lot of different people, right? Because why? Not, it's not just resources or things like that, but it's an exchange of ideas. There's more rapport. There's more, then you also have this respect that can, you know, you, there's this un, unsaid um, standard of respect, right? That's there. And, but when you have this, you know, ideologies and things like that, now it's like you play my way or the hard way, right? And so it can be, it can be very rough, right? It and create a lot of blind sides. A lot of blind sides, a lot of friction. And that's when you, around those times where like when you saw the eastern bloc fall in the 1990s that's when you saw korea north korea become very isolationists right and they were like oh we can't do this we don't want to be like them da, 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 da. and then you know you have everything going on with china right they had their relationship with china which they know, still do they still yeah. do right yeah. and you know there's a lot of things about they say sanctions and stuff like that but there's a lot of stuff that's going on that we don't know about right um even south korea right I think it was in 2000s that they had the sunshine policy. And that was... What's the, that? The sunshine policy was basically providing a lot of economic funding from the South Korean government to North Korea for their economic development and things like that. During, so, during the 2000s? During the 2000s and things like that. But I don't remember exactly Wait, what... South Koreans were giving North Koreans South money? Korean government. For development of North there was Korea, an economic policy that they created called the Sunshine Policy. Why would they do up. that if they're if they're an enemy? So, this is where things get a little interesting. Okay, um, again, I'm not as well versed in South Korean politics, right? But this is just what I've heard. So this is just, and this is mostly conjecture. But let's take a look at this. When you during the time of Park Chung Hee, he was a military dictator. Okay. So for oh, South Korea, for South Korea, oh. precisely. And he may not have been that popular. Right. So people were protesting the military junta. Right. Mm -hmm. Naturally. So. Right. Kind of oppressive, authoritative. You know, you don't have many freedoms. OK. So what do they want? Freedom and stuff like that. So when you look at that time in like the 60s and 70s, you have a lot of these. I call them Korean hippies. Right. They're they're uh, hairs like long they're playing the guitar and stuff like that and the tear Prote gas is protesting over. yeah exactly you know, <laughs> it's the same everywhere i guess <laughs> things just don't change you know i guess it's just what it is right so you know yeah you know maybe there's a sense of freedom and things like that that at that time was warranted right but also at the time there was a lot of communist ideologies and things like that that were you know that people started reading about in universities and things like that so let's if we look at it they were like 20 years old back then okay 1970 okay 30 years later 2000 now these people are 50 they're in office they're in mm -hmm. government offices did they change their ideologies some maybe have some maybe haven't right so can those ideologies now be implemented in that government maybe maybe those ide ideologies stuck is it can it be that they're looking if i look on the other side where it's not so dark is it that they're looking for a way to reunify Right, East and West Germany. We saw what happened with them during reunification. The economic it was their West Germany's economy decreased by what, like fifty percent, sixty percent, something like that, when they when they opened up the when they opened up uh, when they reunited. So their the main issue right now is an economic one, right, for for reunification, or so it would seem, right. In the two thousands. In the two thousands, or just in general, in terms of reunification of Korea, 
because and that's one layer right the economic part the next part is the power big one the elephant in the room is power who gets power <laughs> for united korea what's going to happen how is that going to happen what are the deals that are going to what are the conversations that are being had that we don't hear and regarding that that's a big question right does kim jong-un would would he be someone to advocate a power absolute authority over an entire nation right? yeah i don't see that happening right and then when it's very difficult to i don't do think that. the united states will allow that i don't know right i don't know if the u.s would allow that i don't know what's going to happen right if if, a, if hypothetically if there was one korea mm. i don't think u.s or china will allow that as long as u.s and china are competing with one another mm-hmm. and that's what's happening that's right? a very we important very territorial yeah. location world geographically yeah I mean, Korea, what's yeah. interesting if you look at Korean history is that they're always caught in the, they're literally like the middle kingdom, so to speak, right? They're like there between Japan, right? Manchuria, China, right? So there's always something going on over there, mm-hmm. right? So when you really look at that, and also Korea is not just, you know, it's not like they don't have anything. They're very resource rich. They have a lot of resources. So, and they have a lot of deep water ports, right? So it's great to have a port, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They've got a lot of ports. That's why they can do a lot of exports and things like that. So, you know, based on all that kind of stuff, like, you know, Korea has always kind of been in the middle of a lot of different proxies, so to speak. They're always influenced by someone. And the people there are probably influenced by someone or some ideology, right? And who knows who's pulling the strings, right? I always kind of, you know, I'm not the conspiracy theorist or whatever. People don't like that. But I'm like, let's do some research, right? I don't, I like, let's look and go down the rabbit hole, right? Why? Because at least in the U.S., you have, you know, you have access to information. Right, yeah. So we should do our due diligence to do that, right? Korea, they have access to information, right? They have free access. Right? Do you talk about, you're referring to South Korea has South access. Korea, yes, yeah. South Korea, sorry. South Korea, yeah. Right. And so they have access to this information, right? So they're able to kind of piece things together, right? And do I think that there are things that will fly in the face of, you know, what we want to believe? absolutely mm-hmm. right does it should we not acknowledge that i don't think so because if it's there well the next question should be well what can we do to address this not necessarily just for us or like you know as just like you know a certain certain group of people or certain thing like this you know especially when it comes to politics but if you're you know in this sort of democratic society right and we have elected officials so shouldn't they be working for the people right should we be doing that right and you see that in Korea right now, like even South Korea right now, people are seeing that the government is not really taking care of its people, even if the policies that they put in place, it's actually gotten pre- quite predatory, right? South Korea. South Korea, yep. And then in North Korea, you don't have a voice. You really don't have a voice. So do you think someone's wagging the dog? It's possible. I don't know, right? Because again, I don't have that insight. So those But there are people that believe that. I mean, there that are... Those that are truly... Uh, the face of power are not actually the ones making the decisions at the end of the day who knows right and i don't necessarily think so mm-hmm. right i don't necessarily i think that yes someone may be wagging the dog i think that there is a strong possibility for that but again my understanding right is limited right i will never have the full picture of everything right based on the things that i've heard i don't think any of us will right and it's and it's arrogant of me to say that i will have the answer Mm-hmm. right 
do I, but do I think that people are influenced by external influences? Yeah. Absolutely. But people will, will speculate based on what they know, one about human nature, two about power, and three about history. Right. Um, that said, I don't think I ever got an answer. South Korea, why would they help North Korea economically? Economically, it's, it can be political. Mm-hmm. It can be for reunification. It can be for a number of different things. So it was more like they're thinking long term. It could be, yes. So mm-hmm. if we were to ever unite, we can just we have the infrastructure set yes. up. Mm-hmm. But again, you you did mention that if there was unification, you uh, of Korea, you, you you know what happened in Germany was that if when when they unified, the Germ- the German uh, economic structure was was depleted, mm-hmm. or it went down and. And you don't, for for South Korea to do do what they're doing is to help North Korea to reach that level, and then by that time when unification is, is a possibility, mm. then it, you know it can work. Or well, at least one would hope so in an ideal world, right? right? Right. But now you have the idea of like again nuclear power. Like everybody's wondering, okay, he's got a button. He's got the button. Mm. Oh yeah, that's been. That, yeah, that's do you, been in the do news. you think that he would ever use it? I mean, a lot of it when when uh, Trump was in office. Mm. Uh, I saw a lot of back and forth in the media with those two, like Kim Jong-un and Donald mm-hmm. Trump. And eventually they seem publicly with, to get along at one point where they reach some sort of agreement and peace. And all of a sudden, then it's back to the old ways. Hey, I'm going to look at this rocket that I'm testing again and what? So a lot of times when that happens, it's them saying that we want something, right? We want whether something economically or food or something like that, some sort of resource, right? And I mean, let's put it this way, okay? Um, let's take away the political ideologies, okay? I go back to the playground a lot, okay? There's a big kid there and he's bullying you, right? <laughs> okay, so you got to even the playing field. What do you do? Pocket sand, you know? <laughs> or like yeah. grab a stick or a rock, right? Mm-hmm. So... In that sort of sense, is there some is there some rationale <laughs> to what this guy is doing? And from a geopolitical standpoint, it would seem so, right? He understands that having a nuclear weapon, right, makes him a viable threat and therefore able to control some 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 respect, right, from the people there. Albeit I wouldn't call it respect. <laughs> I would say that you're controlling fear, right? But there is that sort of power play going on, right? So, but I, that move has been around since, I mean, for decades. Yeah, for decades. I can't to the point where I don't even believe South Koreans feel threatened by it. I, mean, I saw this yeah. YouTube yeah. clip, <laughs> and this guy like, one, like of those, one of those one of those men, no, 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 no uh, one of those man on the street YouTube clips, mm. okay. right? And I, and I, it's a very small test group, okay? But he's randomly going up to people in South Korea, asking them, hey, and this was while Trump was in office, mm. are you afraid of the threats that's coming with nuclear? And they're like, no. Yeah. no. Everyone's like, yeah, it happens all the time now. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Like walk in a park. Yeah. They all unanimously said this. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the people outside of the world are more shocked every time we hear it in a news cycle mm. than South Koreans are, uh, based on... The, you know, the information that I've been told and just what I've seen, it, uh, they're just like, yeah, it's, it's pretty normal. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it's, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Right. Eventually you go, yeah, no, there's no wolf. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Then why, then why not uh, move in? Why not move in and, and just, you know, just get rid of 
Kim Jong Un. You know, if that's if it's a bluff, then why? Why, why even even you right know, now? care that you, you listen listening to to him when he's you know oppressing you know twenty four million people? Well, there's a there's a little neighbor called uh, China. <laughs> mm, <laughs> right? China will not let because look if they if they take over, mm-hmm. then then guess who controls that part? United States, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's a they control the ports in that's the a, Asia mainland. Oh, okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a peninsula on yeah. the mainland, so you know. Um, and again, this is where the whole proxy thing comes into place, like. Um, like my brother back in when he was in he when he was studying in school, his paper was on North Korea, right? He had a he was in he went to Princeton, smart guy. Thinks he's smart, right? <laughs> he's smart. He actually is very smart. And he was talking about, you know, the North Korea and their game like game theory and game strategy and like their strategy. Okay. And his paper when he when read it, I was like, It's playing out to the T <laughs> right? And he had his advisors who were, you know, worked in the State Department and stuff like that, so his teachers and professors were there. But, you know, when, we re- when I read this, he was really looking at the rationale. And, you know, to us, when we get these snippets, right, these news clips and stuff like that, it may seem very irrational. Why? Because we don't see it that often, right? So one day he's doing this. One day we don't, we're, not, we're not trying to put all the pieces together. So it may, may seem out of... It it's like erratic. Out, yeah. We look at it as like erratic behavior while behind the scenes, you, this, this is supposed to happen. Right. And... You know, when you look at it from a power dynamics point perspective, let's say with the nuclear, you know, with the nuclear power and stuff like that, you know, do I think that he hasn't? I mean, who knows, right? But the question becomes, are they capable? Probably, right? You know, I'm sure they have, you know, we're Asian, we're good at math, right? You know, <laughs> physics and things like that, right? They, they, he's got people there, but, you know, do, do these people necessarily, maybe, do they want to do it? I don't know, you know, because... I don't know what the dynamics are within his leadership. And again, if he's ruling with fear, right? It's very difficult. And so when you have the proverbial gun to your head, are you going to do what you need to do? You probably are, right? And, you know, is it is it difficult to be in that sort of situation? Absolutely. I mean, think about, you know, our own lives, right? I would hate to be put in that situation. I'm sure you too would as well. But are they aware of it though? Because they... they they a lot of them don't have access to information, right? They do, and they have it. North Korea, which mm-hmm. we're talking about, right? Mm. They don't have electricity. They don't have the internet, right? I'm, and I'm pretty sure in a government like that, uh, they wouldn't be sharing information. As far as some of them are concerned, or most of them, mm. uh, the world started when their first leader was came into power. Mm. That's when the world began. That's the timeline mm. in their books, and that's what they're taught in that their countries. Uh, the most loved in the world and so as and if you never knew what heaven felt like then you would believe that you may be in heaven yourself right even if you grew up and you were always hungry Mm. you would think that's normal to be hungry right and then when you get food then that's Mm. the highlight of your life to eat and it can represent for us what if there is like another country that we weren't aware of that Mm. was financially secure Mm. so they didn't have to worry about that one form of income to take care of their family right they didn't have to worry about all these modern day stresses that we think is normal for us we think we have it good but what if we look 
across the pond and there's another country that exists and everyone's happy and never have to worry about money. They just focus on art, love, because they have the time to focus on other things except surviving. So, I mean, even within the microcosm that is North Korea, right? Let's take it there's in, the, in that society, just that small society. So when they say like, oh, everybody's equal or things like that, and, th- and but you have someone who doesn't ha- ever go hungry, right? Someone who has nicer things, hmm. right? So even in that sort of microcosm, that inequality, right? People are going to begin to see that, right? And they're seeing the leadership and things like that. They may have certain things and they don't. Leadership can do certain things that they can't, right? So does that already feel sort of oppressed, them i think it does but would you question it if you look at your leader like a god you wouldn't because you would say he's a god but he makes the the decisions right in the back just gotta be questioning behind that right but if you don't question your god god works in mysterious ways Mm -hmm. god has a reason why you can only tell putting the pieces when you look retro in retrospect right so a lot of people do believe that i'm Like in our religion, in anyone's religion, I hear people say that a lot. When I was, I went to Catholic school. I was mm-hmm. told that God knows all, right? So I'm saying if that's what they believe, that their leader is a God, then why would it, if they have strong faith, they wouldn't question it. They would say, yeah, this is what they were taught when they were young, and they believe that this is the divine, and that he's, and we're so blessed to actually have a, a, a physical presence of him. Mm-hmm. Right and yes, we're hungry, but he knows what he's doing. He has a plan, right? I, your your religious norm, right? You you believe in God. Mm-hmm. You also believe that about God. When something doesn't go right in your life, you you question God. You go, you go, no, I have faith in Him. You have friends that's a pastor, um, right? They will tell you the same thing. Have faith. There's a reason for it, mm-hmm. and then you won't question. And you are, yeah, He's the divine. So what if it's the same over there? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it, how, how do you know, like, from a, from the day you're born that, you know, basic human rights is, is, a, is a thing? Or, you know, from right and wrong, you, you, from, from the day you're born, right and wrong, you understand the concept. And and you, you're learning from a, a, a person who's, you know, uh, maybe, you know, he's coming from, like, okay, a, re- a religious background or he's... He's uh, representing God, or how do you know that what he's saying is wrong? Um, I I don't know, but then I I kind of when, when I when I hear something, I kind of understand that it's it's either right or wrong. Like that's I don't know if that's an innate thing that I'm born with, or you know it leads me to question. Like even if you're if this person might be God or a representative of God, like my priest um, that I go to, and I and he's a mentor, and I listen to him. If he says something out of whack, I'm, I'm thinking like, this is this is wrong. But you have the the luxury mm-hmm. to think like that. Over in certain areas, let's just say what Al is saying is 100 percent on the on the ball. Mm-hmm. Food scarcity. You're hungry. That's I don't know. Have you been like really hungry before? You can't think anything except about food you don't have time to think about you know beautiful art color ideas and right or wrong all you want to do is put food in your stomach you don't have time that's it you're you're not thinking well this isn't fair that that guy over there that's a god divine being that's 
I mean, uh, human nature. I'll be like, I'll be pissed. Like, why this motherfucker? Even if he's a fucking god, why is he you, you eating know, shit? But you've been, and I'm fucking starving. But you're, you know, you're an American. You grew up. You were born and raised in America, so you're gonna feel like that. It's yeah. different. You're growing up in a country where your mom and dad, everybody just said, "This is God." But I think it's also human nature to feel but, like that. But you also that grew up hungry instinct. your whole life. It's not like it's not like you were full one day and you had a beautiful house, everything was amazing, your clothes, and, and then they stripped you of all that. Then you'd be like, "Why?" But but in human nature, I feel like in human nature, you can you can distinctly tell like I have I don't have anything. This guy has something. Okay, so what about love? Do you think they understand what love is there? Mm. I, that I don't know because you can argue, you can make that same argument. That human nature, we should understand what love is, and that's what separates us from other beings, mm. right? And other animals. Most people would argue that, but there are people that were interviewed out from North Korea where they didn't understand what love is between even between a mother and a daughter. So they didn't. So understand. think about it. So if you can't even understand what love is between a mother and a daughter, how do you your whole life understand what is right and what's wrong? Other than what they tell you, what is right and what is wrong? How is that family dynamic in North Korea when they don't understand love? Like, is this just relational? Like, okay, I know, I understand you have a title of my mother or a father, but there isn't a real connection between each other. I mean, we. I mean, let's explore this a little more, right? Where do we get our ideas of love, right? You know, from the what what when we say what does love really look like, right? Is it something that's been portrayed by the media? Right, because in the U.S. we have a lot of that. Right, I mean, being, if we're talking about South Korea and Korea, <laughs> K dramas. <laughs> How can you not talk about love and K dramas? I know what love is. I just, I'm gonna sulk and I'm not gonna tell you how much I feel for you, but you should know <laughs> that type of love. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's so all sides of stuff. Is love now. taught? I mean, so is it, goes it learned? Back to nurture versus nature, right? I, I, I was just having this discussion with a friend and I said, I think that there is a tension between the outside influence and something internal, right? Because mm. there are certain things that you just kind of feel, right? And again, that's unique to everybody, mm-hmm. right? But there's certain, what I've, at least from what I've noticed, you know, have, being 33 years on this earth, right? I'm only 33, okay? Not that old, okay, guys? So, but when I look at it, I go, there seem to be some parallels, Right. Having, I mean, I used to work for the UN and I used to, you know, I was in Switzerland uh, back in the day. That's another story I'll talk about. They actually have a North Korean mission there. So it's interesting when I passed mm. by, I was like, wait, what? It's <laughs> like, okay. But going back, you know, you look around and you go to different societies, you go to different countries, you go to different cultures, right? And there are certain things that are kind of parallels through that kind of seems to be a common thread through all of them. You know, me, I'm the type of person that will look for grounds of commonality why because i kind of want to know okay well what are these what what values do i have because values don't have a gender face race value whatever you know anything like that values values are very objective right so when i look around people want to hang out they want to be with the people that they you know kind of love or care about or things like that and these are words that we use but you know how they show it is very different right I know, like, you know, especially with Asian families, it's just like, did you, what, what grade did you get? Got a B, right? <laughs> but that may be the Asian parents' way of showing, like, hey, look, the reason that I'm strict on you is because I know how hard the world is, right? Because of their, again, this is their perspective, 
It's not necessarily what we may see, but based on their life and their experience, that's where they may be coming from. To us, we're like, ma, we're in the U. You know, you don't know me, right? Like all that comes out. But at the end of the day, to them, that was their reality. And to them, the world may seem because they had that immigrant background or they were in, let's say, one of those war-torn areas. Life is harsh. Life is cruel. There's nobody coming. There's no help coming. You need to be self-sufficient. That's all on you. It can be that, right? And you need to be the best damn person that you can possibly fucking be or else you're going to get eaten and shit out. That's a reality for a lot of people, right? And yes, certainly. And that's why they're so harsh. Right. But when we let's take a look at what that sort of reads. Are there are there things are there pros and cons to everything? Absolutely. You know? Just because that's the way that show that they, that they care doesn't mean that they don't love you. They want the best for you, but they have their idea of what is best for you. Right? And so going back to like North Korea and things like that, like is there something that they probably know? I mean, there's a show in that you can look up. I think it's like like something about friends or something like that but it's a show that they have actual defectors share their stories share their experiences and this is all on youtube you can watch this where they have north korean defectors yeah you can is it a talk it. show or it's a talk show oh, okay. yeah so they have like a panel of like you know like 30 people mm-hmm. like there and they're all talking about their experiences and things like that so you hear them and you know you hear them talking about the good and the bad right they're talking when you when you hear about them talk about the good you hear them talking about people like their friends you know, family that they care. There's a sense of community. There's an actual sense of community, like we have here, right? People that kind of made it clear to me that people are very similar wherever you go. They want to be. They want to share a meal with someone. They want to be with someone who understands. There's a longing. There's this deep sort of longing. There's a, a desire for connection, right? Whether that be as friends, lover, whatever. Well, with social animals, that's for sure. Yeah. So there's that. And so they share those stories, but they also share stories about what it was like for them in the military. They share about like, oh, there's a lot of rape. There's a lot of all this other stuff. There's a lot of, you know, sexual assault. There's all this. Problems that are here are problems that are everywhere, right? Because why? It comes back down to the human equation, the human factor, right? People aren't perfect, right? Doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to be better, right? Doesn't mean that we shouldn't do that. But things can get in the way and things can make it messy. Circumstances can make certain things messy. And so there, you know, w- people may look at them and go, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to stick to your integrity? Are you going to stick to your honesty? When, when your son or daughter or your friend or whoever is, you know, dying, right? When you have a survival mindset, you know, your values, again, this is values, your integrity, your character, what you really value and who you are as a person, those characteristics, which are, again, universal characteristics, start to come out, right? Or are you going to be someone who's going to, um, you know, are you going to be someone who's you know, caring about someone or are you going to say like, nope, your time's done, I'm going to throw you under the bus, I'm going to do that for a piece of bread. Yeah, and I've, and I've heard of that where uh, they told on their own parents because they had planned, like at a certain age, they were just like, all right, we're going to leave. We're going to take our kids with us. Uh, they, they were tr- going to try to escape North Korea through China. And they went ahead and told their kid the plan. And there was like, there were instances where the kid 
told on the parents and the parents are executed i mean the kids may you know who knows what the kids may have said or how the kids came around to that like you know there's always somebody watching right like you know using the analogy of you know believe in god and he's always watching somebody's always watching right, right? Mm-hmm. and in that society it's very clear that somebody's always watching but somebody may be watching but somebody may also be fabricating stories behind your back right fabricating lies to take you down why because they want power they want the good stuff lucky boys podcast thanks for listening and supporting the podcast check us out on youtube spotify and apple podcast for the rest of our episodes